Hey, true crime besties, welcome back to an all new episode of Serialistly. Hey everybody, welcome back to Serialistly. It's me, Annie, your true crime bestie, here to break down another wild ass true crime case for you. Today's a bonus episode. It's not in the normal release schedule, but I heard about this case. A lot of you guys have been requesting it, and so I knew I had to jump on here and break it down for you. I also am doing this on the podcast only as an exclusive and not over on YouTube because To be quite honest, it's a little bit too graphic, a little sadistic, and I don't know. It just feels like it'll be better to talk about it on the podcast where YouTube likes to flag my ass, as we all know. So let me break down this case for you guys because it's a wild one, but be warned because if you're listening to this around lunchtime, you might lose your lunch. Before we jump into it, please take a quick second. Make sure that you are following the podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give it a quick rating and review maybe afterwards if you appreciate the episode. And let's get into it. So in 2016, a night that began as a celebration took a dark turn when Kaylee Sawyer, a vibrant 23-year-old from Bend, Oregon, went missing under very troubling and mysterious circumstances. Her disappearance followed a fun night out at a bachelorette party and then a heated argument with her boyfriend. The search for Kaylee was only beginning when the truth came to light in a truly shocking twist. Little did anyone know, the truth about her fate would expose a harrowing crime spree and ignite a multi-state manhunt. Kaylee Sawyer was a 23-year-old young woman living in Bend, Oregon. She was funny, intelligent, strong, beautiful, feisty, and fearless. In 2016, Kaylee was attending Central Oregon Community College and working as a dental assistant at Aubrey Dental Group, hoping to one day become a dentist. She lived with her boyfriend Cameron in an apartment in a really safe and upscale part of town, right near campus. Kaylee's family said that when she met Cameron, they knew this would be a good relationship for her, and everyone could tell how happy she was. They loved each other, and they were planning on soon becoming engaged. One of Kaylee's friends, Lisa, was getting married soon, and on Saturday, July 23, 2016, Kaylee went to her bachelorette party. Now, at first, Kaylee wasn't going to go, and she told friends that she would be out of town, but at the last minute, she decided to go to the bachelorette party and celebrate her friend. So Kaylee met with her friends at a country western bar called Mavericks in downtown Bend, just after 8 p.m. Kaylee was having fun. She was wearing a little black dress and looked super cute. The bachelorette party was winding down a little early, and some of the friends decided to go home around 10.30 p.m., But Kaylee was having fun, and she was also a little bit tipsy and wasn't ready to go home at all yet, which we've all been there, where you're not ready to quite end the party, you're having a good time, especially after you have a few cocktails in. So she and another friend decided to continue partying, and they went to another bar downtown. At the second bar, Kaylee had a few more drinks, and she was dancing with a guy that she had just met. Little did she know, though, that one of her boyfriend Cameron's friends was also at that bar, 
and this friend texted Cameron saying, hey, your girlfriend is at this bar dancing with another guy. So Cameron got this text and ended up coming to the bar and picked Kaylee up. On the way home, they started to argue, and when they returned to their apartment complex, Cameron parked the car and Kaylee was still fuming. Cameron left Kaylee in the car to cool down a bit, and then he went back up to their apartment, thinking that she would come up after she took a second to just calm down, chill out, and gather her thoughts. But Kaylee got out of the car and went on a walk to blow off some of the steam and just kind of calm down, which apparently wasn't unusual because Kaylee had done this in the past. However, this time, Kaylee never came back to her apartment that night. The next morning, Cameron tried to call her, but her phone was off. And it also wasn't unusual for Kaylee to let her phone die. So he thought that maybe she was at a friend's house and her phone died there. But as time passed, Kaylee's phone was still dead and Cameron became extremely concerned. He tried to contact Kaylee's friends and her parents, thinking maybe she was with them. Kaylee's mom was out of town on her way back from a cabin trip, so her phone wasn't going through. But he texted her dad, Jamie, asking if Kaylee was with him, and she wasn't. So at this point, Cameron didn't know if he was overreacting or freaking out for no reason. Later on, he went to her parents' house and explained to her dad what had happened the night before, saying, It seemed really obvious that she just walked out onto the road and probably called a friend to pick her up because she was mad, and that was it, saying, I literally thought there was nothing more to it than that. He even called Kaylee's grandma, Sharon, but nobody in Kaylee's family knew where she was, and neither did her friends. So finally, Cameron called the police. Hello? Hi. Um, I'm not sure if this is quite the right number to call. Last night I got home from the bars with my girlfriend, and she got upset at me and ran off. Mm-hmm. And I chased her and wasn't able to find her, and I still haven't heard from her. Her phone's off. I called all our family, and they haven't heard from her, so I'm wondering what you recommend I do. We can put in a call, and we can uh, have officers and deputies uh, look for her. Okay. And uh, where was she last seen at? Um, College Way. College in what? Um, Alpine Meadows Apartment Complex. It's like at the top of College Way. In that apartment complex? Yes. In a specific apartment or? In the parking lot. Just in the parking lot? You guys yeah, don't live there? Or? Yes, we live there together. And it was last night? Yeah. About what time? Uh, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. Take up walking or something from this address? Like, she was mad? Yeah, I walked. She was, yeah, she was mad at me, so I walked inside and told her to come meet me in there when she's like, calm down. And then I went back out in 10 minutes and she was gone. And I called her a few times and she said she was walking down the street. And then I guess she said her phone was about to die. And then she, I couldn't get a hold of her after that. I haven't heard from her since. Okay. She took off on foot? Yes. What's her last name? Sawyer. S-A-W-Y-E-R? Yes. First name? Kaylee. K-A-Y-L-E-E. And what's her date of birth? Um, March 2nd, 1993. And she's got her phone with her? Uh, she did last I saw her, but it's been dead all day, and I imagine she would charge it. And does she have a vehicle? Is it parked in the parking lot, or...? 
she has a vehicle. It's parked at her friend's house, and I've been over there and talked to her friend, and she hasn't heard from her either. And the vehicle's still there? Yep. And what's the color, make, and model? It's a Subaru Impreza, and it's like a dark grayish blue. Kaylee's mom, Julie, also called the police on Sunday, hoping to accelerate the efforts to find Kaylee. Her parents were concerned that the police weren't taking Cameron's call very seriously about Kaylee's disappearance because she was 23 years old and wasn't a missing child, and they also just wanted to make sure that the police knew that something was seriously wrong. Kaylee had suffered from a seizure in the past, and it was a well-managed health issue, but Julie felt that letting the police know that there could be a medical factor at play would possibly heighten their concern. Dispatch, how can I help you? Yes, I need to have an officer call me. Um, my daughter is missing, and she is over 23, but she has um, um, epilepsy and some medical issues. What's the address so, that she's missing from? Um, you know, it's her boyfriend's. Um, she and her boyfriend, they live up at the Regency um, by COCC. I don't have the exact address. Okay, are you able to get it? Um, I'm driving up there right now to talk with him and see what's going on so I can call back with that. But he, her boyfriend did call, and the police officer said, well, you know, just keep looking for her. And she, what's you know, the phone number so, he would have called from? Do you know? Oh, gosh. Do you know Cam's phone number? Okay. Uh, I know. We just need it for the, yeah. All right. And what is your name? My name is Julie, J-U-L-I, last name Van Cleave, V-A-N-C-L-E-A-V-E. And your phone number? Okay. I'm going to have the officer who spoke with her boyfriend earlier give you a call, okay? That would be awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Kaylee's parents, Jamie and Julie, and some other family members came to the apartment that night, and so did the police. Kaylee's parents were close to Cameron. They loved him and practically considered him family. But surely Kaylee didn't just vanish into thin air. So they became suspicious that maybe there was more to the story than what Cameron was telling. His story just didn't make sense. And like he told them, they argued that night. So their minds went to thinking that something must have happened after that argument. Police agreed and also felt like Cameron's story was evolving, and he was adding more to the story when he told it each time. They thoroughly questioned Cameron, and he seemed more than cooperative, seeming like he genuinely wanted to help locate his girlfriend. Cameron said he didn't have anything to do with her disappearance, but ultimately felt some guilt because he thought it was his fault that she went on a walk in the first place following their argument. Police also thought that there was a chance that Kaylee went to meet up with the guy that she had met and danced with at the bar earlier that night. So they tracked this guy down, and he told the police that he didn't even get Kaylee's phone number, and their interaction was also just super casual, just two people hanging out. Kaylee's inner circle spent all day Sunday hoping to find her, but still, there was no sign of Kaylee, and she didn't come home Sunday night either. Kaylee was a grown woman who was missing, and there was no evidence of foul play, but something was seriously off about the situation. On Sunday night, Kaylee's boyfriend, family, and friends all went to bed hoping that this was all just a huge misunderstanding and that everything would be okay the next day. However, they had no idea what would unfold the following day. 
On Monday morning, July 25th, a new Bend police officer, Isabella Ponce Lara, arrived at the Redmond Police Department, about 20 miles away from the college, but close to where she lived. She cried uncontrollably and frantically told the detectives that her husband, Edwin Lara, wasn't acting right the day before. She said that they went on about their usual Sunday as usual, going to church and then later to the movies, but that she could just tell that something was up with him. Edwin worked as a security guard at the Central Oregon Community College and drove a patrol vehicle during work hours. According to Isabel, on Monday morning, Edwin told her that he had accidentally hit a woman with his car. She told police officers, So I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean you just hit her? And he's like, yeah, I hit her in a panic. And all he said was that he hit her, he panicked, and then hid her body. He said, it wasn't making any sense to me because I'm like, why would somebody hit somebody and then do that, especially him? If it was an accident, it just doesn't make any sense. She also told the officers, he also said he put the woman's belongings in our shed. She continued to explain that his behavior didn't make any sense because her husband was a good man, had a degree in criminal justice, and was in training to become a cop. And to make things even more confusing, after confessing to hitting a woman with his car, he grabbed the gun out of Isabel's purse and said, I need to go, I need to go, and then drove away in his silver Nissan Altima. And then later Monday, when she went to work and saw new missing persons posters with Kaylee's name and picture, she instantly had a sick feeling in her stomach and knew in her heart that she was the woman that Edwin hit. Police could not believe what they had just heard. Not only was it a disturbing story, but he was training to be a cop and had a degree in criminal justice and confessed to his wife, who was also a police officer. Why on earth would he hide her body? This was just unbelievable. She didn't know where he would be headed, but said that maybe he'd be headed to California. And officers put out an alert for all officers to be looking for his silver Altima. After this new revelation, the police searched Edwin and Isabella's home and shed, discovering a white bag containing high-heeled shoes, a purse with a black wallet, a blood-stained rock, and clumps of hair all in the shed. They also found blood on Edwin's work boots and a school project on a serial killer named Angela Resendez Ramirez. Officers were still working to track down the Altima as fast as possible, but they had no idea that it would be too late, and Edwin was already in the process of going on a full-blown crime spree. After Edwin left his house, he drove to Salem and parked his car outside of a Ross Dress for Less store. Here, he saw a woman, Andrea Mays, alone in her car on the phone and taking selfies. Edwin took this opportunity to use his gun, approached her car, threatened her, and forced her to drive him to California. Overnight, they stopped at a motel in Oregon. Andrea was scared that he would rape her, so in an attempt to scare him off, she told him that she had an STD. The next day, they didn't make it too far because Andrea's car broke down in Eureka, California. Now Edwin was scrambling and had to find another car. So he decided to shoot a man, Jack Levy, in the stomach while attempting to steal his car. But that didn't work. So now plan B. He needed to find another car. Edwin carjacked a vehicle with a woman and her two teen grandsons inside of it, forcing Andrea to come with him. While in the car, he confessed to the murder in Bend and to the shooting in Eureka. 
Then he dropped the woman and her grandsons off on the side of the road before speeding away with Andrea still in the car. While driving, he forced Andrea to start recording a Facebook live stream on her Facebook account. He wanted the title of the video to be Murderer on the Loose. Hi, everybody. Um, I just want to say that I apologize for everything I've done. Most likely, I'm going to get caught. And uh, sorry about that, girl. About that girl in Central Oregon. And I just want to let family members, uh, Andrea, that she's fine and she will be fine because uh, so far she's been doing uh, what I've been going to do. You know, and, and if you guys are wondering uh, if I have done dirty things to her, no. Alright, I'm not that kind of guy. You know, I just. I used to kill that other girl, you know, and I regret it. I regret killing her. You know, she's kept screaming and had to find her forever. So, you know, like I say, she's still fine. We're driving and she'll be home pretty soon. I'm sorry to her grandma and her family members, to her boyfriend. You know, I'm sorry shortly after that video was posted police tracked down the car that they were in and tried to pull him over and he wouldn't of course the cops didn't let up on him, and eventually, this turned into a high-speed police chase. During the chase, Edwin called 911 and told the dispatcher that he was a wanted murderer, armed with a gun and wearing a bulletproof vest. 911 emergency reporting. Yes, hi. This is Edwin Lara, and I'm the guy on Interstate, Interstate 5, going on high speed. I, I know you guys have the chopper on me already. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say I am going to turn myself in. Okay, where are you at? Okay, I'm on I-5. Uh, I think close to Reading, if I'm right. So, you know, I, I am wanted for murder in the state of Oregon. Okay. Edwin, yeah. where are you at right now? Can you stop? I am going to stop once I head Reading. Once I'm in Reading, I'm going to stop. Okay, can you tell me where you are right now? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, oh, let's see. There's a sign right here. 50 miles from Reading. You're 50 miles from Reading. Oh, wait, wait. Can you still Corning. Corning. From Corning. You're 50 so miles I'm, from Corning. Yeah, 50 miles from Corning. 50 miles uh, south or north of Corning. Are you by yourself or? No, I have someone with me. I kidnapped her in Oregon. She's innocent. Uh, her name is Andrea. What's your last name? He doesn't know. I'll let you. I'll, I'll let her give her last name. You can call her family, okay? Okay. Just, give me a, just give me a second. What's your name? Hello? Yeah, hi. What's your name? Andrea. Andrea, what's your last name? Maeve, M-A-E-S. Okay, are you hurt at all, Andrea? No. No? Okay. Can, do you know where you are? Let me talk to Edwin again. Okay. Uh, 
Hello? Yeah, Edwin, um, you're heading southbound on, on 5? Yeah, I'm heading southbound on 5. I'm Did 50 you make miles away. Okay, I'm sorry. Did you make it past Reading yet? I think I did. I'm 50 miles from Corning. You're 50 miles from Corning? Yeah, 1515. Oh, 15 miles from Corning. Yes. So I'm passing a state trooper, a highway patrol right now. You're what, sir? I'm passing a highway patrol. Okay, where are you at, though? I am uh, Flores Avenue, one mile from Flores Avenue. One mile from Flores? Are you able yes. to safely find somewhere to stop? I'm not going to stop right here. I'm just going to turn myself in and, and uh, Corning. Okay. Are you going uh, to Corning Police, or where are you going? Yeah, I'm going to Corning Police. But I want to ask you a favor. Uh-huh. So I have asthma. You have asthma? Okay. Yeah, so you tell them not to be too rough on me because, you know, I, I can't really breathe right now. All right, so that's all I wanted to say. Do you, you need know, I don't any wanna... kind of medical? Or... Yeah, well, I... I think so. I'm going to need my inhaler. I forgot my inhaler at home. You know, I went all over, all over, uh, uh, Salem, Oregon looking for, for an inhaler, but I guess they don't sell it, you know, behind the counter or out of counter. So. Edwin, how fast are you going? I'm going about 120 miles an hour. About 120 miles an hour? Yes. Can you slow down? Well, I want to make it there quick. That way I can turn myself in. Well, the officer sees you with it. We just don't want you to speed away from anything. If you can stop and just give yourself in, it'll probably be easier. Well, there's an officer behind me right now. Okay, they see you. We're talking to him. They see you. Yeah, she's seeing me. I think it's a she. She's right behind me. Okay, the officer sees you. And are you able to safely stop? Yeah, I, I can stop, uh, but not right now. I'll stop in Corning. Uh, what's the difference from stopping now in Corning? I just don't want to stop right here in the middle of the road, you know, putting myself in danger and putting everybody else in danger, more in danger, I guess. You know, they won't. They're, they're aware. I'll let them know they won't. But if you can stop safely, they just don't want you to run. They don't think you're you know, trying to run or anything. Okay. Yes, um, yes, Edwin, yes. do you have any weapons with you? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I do have a gun on me. I am not going to flash the gun, so you tell them not to shoot me. Okay. No, I don't want to die. Okay, you stick by your word, though. I'll let them know. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm going to let him know. You know, uh, don't hurt Andrea. You know, she's a nice girl. You know, don't hurt her. I'm I'm actually calling my family just to say bye to them. So once I'm, once I'm done calling all my family, then I'll, I'll turn myself in. Okay, um, we can get a hold of your family if you want. I already called my wife. I called a lot of people already. I am, I am wanted for the death of, uh, Kaylee Sawyer at Bend, Oregon. What's the girl's name? Kaylee what? Sawyer. Sawyer? Yes. Or Swire, maybe. And she was from Bend, Oregon? Yes. I just want to say that it was an accident. I, uh, so I work for Campus Public Safety there. And she was really drunk, and I didn't see her, and I run her over. Okay. And then uh, after that, you know, I I just, uh, she was still breathing, and then she was screaming, and I decided to silence her forever. Okay. 
and I am very remorseful for that. And you know. Okay. Edwin, her, can, Edwin are uh, you able to stop the officers behind you? They don't know if you're running and stuff, or are trying to run from them. So if you can safely stop, they'll have the freeway block, and nobody will get hurt if you just try to okay. stop. Okay. You want me to read the plate for you? Your plate. The officer, the the the, the police police officer's plate. No, no, no. You don't need to read the police officer's plate. Okay. Because if, I want her, I want her to just get in front of me if she can. Why do you want to run you? She can move. She can move all the track. I'm not. I'm not going to shoot anybody. I promise. I know, but the, you just you have to realize they have to take care just for their safety and for your safety uh, okay. as well. Do you understand all that? Right. Yeah, I understand. Okay. All right. So I'm about to get to Corning. I'm like four miles away. Okay. Where are you at now? Can you tell me where you are? <laughs> I am four miles from Corning. Okay. How the girl that's with you? How old is she, Andrea? How old is she? Uh, how old are you? She's 19. 19 years of age? Okay. Yeah. Does she have any weapons or anything? Or? Nah, she doesn't. She doesn't. I, I, I honestly, I did kidnap her. We drove her car, you know, and her car died on us, so I had to borrow somebody else's car. You know, basically that's what it is. Okay. But, yeah. So, Edwin, can you pull over safely for the officer? Right here, right now? If you can find a safe spot, you can pull over the shoulder. They're going to have a free block. Nobody will get hurt. But I just don't want you to run from them and them think they think you're running from them. So okay, if you can just pull over, I'll, find a safe spot completely out of the lanes. Don't stop in the lanes or anything. Find a safe spot and just pull over. Okay. I'll slow down for them. Okay, you're going to slow down? Yeah, I'm going to slow down. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't want somebody else to get hurt. Good. So are you going to stop? Yeah, maybe. I will stop right now. I'm used. You know, I'm shaking up. I mean, I'm shaking. I, I understand. I don't want to get shot. I mean, okay, I, I will let them know, but you need to make sure you just listen carefully, okay? Okay. Just, just, just to let you know, I have a bulletproof hat, too. You do, do you, are you wearing it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, you're not going to try to do anything, right? No, I'm not. Okay. You want me to throw my gun out of the window right now? No, not right now. No, no, no. Don't do that right now. All right. I just want you to stop safely. How can you just give it to Andrea see if she wants to kill me? No, no, no. You don't want to do that to her and yourself. All right. So, yeah, just uh, I'm just going to call her grandma and apologize. And then I'll stop. You know, right now, let's just kind of worry about you stopping. Okay. Just worry about stopping and getting you guys both safe, okay? All right. Okay, I'll stop. Okay. I'll hang up now. I, no, no, I'm going to stay on the line with you, okay? Okay. Well, basically, or technically, it's illegal to... Talk on the phone and drive, right? You, you know, if you're calling in an emergency, and you know what, this is just a totally different circumstance, okay? Okay. That's the last thing we need to worry about right now. Yes. So, you know, I know, I know this is being recorded, and, you know, I just want to say to the family of, of Kaylee that, you know, I am sorry. I am sorry for what I did to her, and in time I will tell them where the body is. You know, I will just, that way she can rest in peace. 
Do you want to uh, let me know or just have this recorded where it is? No, I, I remember. Okay. So, I mean, hopefully the police officer doesn't shoot me, you know, and I'll, I'll survive, you know. Yeah. Well, but we're not going to let that happen. Like, you just do what you're supposed to do and do what Eventually, Edwin surrendered to law enforcement and was arrested. In his confession, he initially claimed that Kaylee's death was accidental, but his story quickly changed and changed to him mistaking her for a prostitute and intentionally picking her up. However, considering the nature of the community and the likelihood of encountering intoxicated students walking home late at night, cops knew he was lying. It's way more likely that Kaylee, seeing Edwin in his security guard uniform, trusted him to give her a safe ride home. Exactly how Kaylee got in the car is still unclear, but Kaylee ended up trapped in Edwin's campus security vehicle, equipped with an enclosed cage in the back, which meant that there was no way that Kaylee could escape. Once she was in the car, he drove to a remote parking lot on campus, and he brutally raped and murdered her, using a large rock. He then put her body in the trunk of his car before dumping her off of a highway in a wooded area. Edwin also confessed to the location of Kaylee's body, so police went there, and they found her off of Highway 126. Her autopsy revealed that Kaylee had died from blunt force trauma with multiple skull fractures, signs of strangulation, and other injuries. In his confession, Edwin revealed his lifelong urge to kill, which he had previously managed to apparently suppress. Coincidentally, the school project that was found at Edwin's house of that serial killer, Angel Resendez Ramirez, said that he always killed with a blunt force trauma. Edwin later recanted part of his confession and said that he didn't rape Kaylee, but her autopsy said otherwise. And despite the confession, Edwin pled not guilty and he went to trial for his heinous crimes. Luckily, the man that he shot in Eureka survived his injuries. Attorney Steve Gunnels said in his opening statement that Edwin was at work that night as a security officer for the college. He said that the scene of the killing was a parking lot B-12 and a gravel lot high up on the hilly campus surrounded by juniper and sagebrush. Investigators from the Central Oregon Major Crimes Team made up of officers from various local law enforcement agencies, and they found drag marks and blood in the parking lot. The drag marks led up the hill to a location in the brush where a significant amount of blood was found. One of the Bend police officers described Edwin, saying you can't really relate to anyone like that, and you can't really understand it. It's the most evil person you've ever met. Edwin was found guilty and sentenced to two life sentences without the possibility of parole, one for the murder of Kaylee and one for the terrorizing of Andrea. And unfortunately, this isn't the end of this story. John Vieira and his accomplice, Emily Megan Pickett, two 30-year-old drug addicts, burglarized a self-storage facility in Bend, Oregon in 2021. They cut the locks off of 18 units, including one that belonged to Julie, Kaylee's mom, and to her husband. They were remodeling their house and had stored their belongings in the unit. The stolen items included two guns and Julie's coach purse full of jewelry worth more than $30,000. They brought the stuff back to their room at Motel 6. However, the items they deemed worthless, including a green glass heart that held some of Kaylee's ashes, 
were just tossed in an alleyway behind the motel dumpster. A month later, John was arrested at St. Charles Bend. He confessed to tossing the heart along with Julie's original wedding ring and a necklace that said, Stay Kaylee Strong. He pled guilty to several theft charges, among a slew of other charges. Kaylee's mom was at a sentencing and spoke to the court and spoke directly to this creepy little thief, saying, You tossed my daughter's body not just once, but twice, as if she was worthless. You probably saw a small green glass heart while rummaging through my purse, probably thought it was of no value, and threw it away. But to me, that heart meant everything. Now I have to come to terms with my daughter being discarded three times. This poor family has just been through torment after torment. I'm glad that Kaylee's rapist and killer was caught before he could go on an even longer crime spree, and it just gets you thinking how many people are out there that have these thoughts and these urges to rape, to kill, to murder, and just try to keep them suppressed as long as possible until they no longer can, and they're just overcome with the urge, and then they do it. They rape and they kill. It's a really scary thought to think about because it truly makes it all the more scary as to who our friends are, who our spouses are, who our loved ones are. Could they be harboring a deep, dark secret that none of us even know about? And it just is another reminder to always be on the lookout and kind of to always be on edge with anybody we come into contact with. Thanks for tuning in to another bonus episode of Seriallessly, guys. I will be back with you very soon with another true crime case. And until the next one, I'm signing off. It's your true crime bestie. Have a great rest of your week and stay safe. Bye, guys.